It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings. Your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. It's a brand new Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Sam and Sage reunited on a Wednesday. And Sage, if the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl, you got to hope that the parade isn't held on a day like today. Zero degrees when I walked out the door this morning. Yeah, and uh, when I was out in Houston last week, uh, I talked to a lot of people about the Minneapolis Super Bowl next year. And, uh, of course, you know, Super Bowls are always almost always in very warm climates, uh, you know, Miami, New Orleans, uh, uh, Arizona, San Diego. And uh, obviously there is some concern by some of the people that uh, people are going to be freezing next year up in, up in Minneapolis. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and maybe the luck out was it was it Indianapolis a few years ago where it was uh, absolutely beautiful uh, on uh, for, for the Super Bowl or something like that, I feel like. And, and I think New York even had some luck. A couple of years ago, where uh, where it was 30, 40 degrees, or even 50 degrees in New York City uh, over the time of the Super Bowl. So uh, hopefully, just at the right time, a little warm front comes through and, and warms up uh, the, the Great North. They're calling it the Bold North. That's like the the catchphrase for this Super Bowl host committee: the Bold North, trying to really make this seem like a rough and tumble region. That's coming up in 361 days. There's a billboard right by the station. I see it every day. That's counting down to the Super Bowl. They've already got the billboards. they got the marketing budget already uh, funneling money into this thing, which is pretty cool to see. We took a little hiatus from our player evaluations, and now we'll get back in the groove of going through the 53-man roster uh, two-by-two, and we'll start with offensive guard Brandon Fusco, the right guard who got switched back from left to right this season. I think the question around Fusco is, is he part of the solution or was he part of the problem? I, I'd say of any position on the football field, offensive guard might be the toughest to evaluate because oftentimes, you know, pass protection issues get blamed on the tackles. Guard is just really hard to evaluate because they're stuck in that scrum. I'm not sure that we can accurately evaluate Fusco other than saying he was on an offensive line that was not very good. Now the question is, do the Vikings feel like he can improve and, and help this line along? Well, I believe you know every offensive lineman on that team is really part of the problem, uh, and hopefully part of the solution. But you know, uh, Tony Sperano and, and Rick Spielman and, and all the people that are uh, going to sort of rate and judge this this offensive line, they're going to do it individually. Uh, they're going to see a lot more than that when, than what we see on television when they really break down the film of the entire year. They'll break down every single snap, and they will. Uh, come to a conclusion if they want Fusco to be here, you know, long term or not. Obviously, he has been a Viking 
uh, for a while now, but that offensive line has really struggled. So uh, I would say at this point there are no sacred cows along the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings and that everybody's going to be uh, critiqued with a fine-tooth comb uh, and, and possibly look to be replaced no matter how well they played. So, uh, you know, Fusco, uh, part of that line last year. Uh, he's been a consistent member of the line for a number of years now, but uh, the line has really struggled. So uh, he's, he, he may be part of the solution, but he's definitely part of the problem just because he's on that line. There's been a little bit of bad luck with Fusco in addition to maybe a decline in play that I think could make him in jeopardy of being one of those surprise veteran cuts during camp. Now, he's only owed $1.6 million guaranteed, so that wouldn't be a huge cost for the Vikings to eat. But let's look at the three years that he's played under Mike Zimmer. 2014, tears his pec, misses most of the year. 2015, he gets moved over to the left guard position, so it was a bit of a, a struggle for him to make that move. And then back this year, he's at right guard again, and he's playing in just a bevy of, of injuries on that line. He was injured for a couple games himself. So it hasn't always played out in his favor where things have been super stable, and I'm not sure he's helped the cause either. You know, when you get moved around on that offensive line from right to left to right, I feel like rarely does that work out well. You know, unless you're just super versatile veteran who's who's played for 12 years, it's hard when you're constantly shifted around. That is definitely a challenge, and but part of the reason they're being shifted around is because they're so thin at all the positions, and uh, you know they might have a, an injury at the opposite guard position or at the center position. They have to shuffle guys around, uh, and nobody uh, along that line is so dominant at their position where they definitely can't move. They're trying to find the best combination and, uh, and, and trying to help out uh, you know, different players at different spots. You, you might have a, a young or a rookie left tackle in there after Khalil got hurt, and you might want more of a veteran like Fusco to be a left guard to be next to him to help him out. So there's a lot of things that uh, uh, move around in an offensive line, but if you're a great, great player, you usually don't move very much. You stay at your, your single spot because that's – that's the best spot for you. So obviously, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of changes going to be happening with this line in the off season. That's going to be something that we're going to watch throughout uh, you know, the the, uh, the combine, the, the the free agency, obviously the draft uh, throughout the summer with the OTAs. This offensive line, this offensive line is going to be a focal point uh, for for the media and for Vikings fans this off season. And Fusco still has three years left on his contract, not a free agent until 2020. Now, how about on the defensive side? Trey Waynes just completed year number two in the National Football League, took definite strides. And after year one, he really only played about three or four quarters or halves of football, I should say, in his rookie season. He showed that he's still got work to do, a little bit susceptible to some of that underneath stuff. Then in year two, he had flashes, you know, and the Green Bay game in week two, which you were at, Sage, that was the microcosm. It was getting beat, getting beat, getting beat, then making a huge game-winning play. And that was sort of how the year went for Waynes, who, again, I think was really good at covering deep because of his speed, but he wasn't always great at covering around the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he was prone to penalties. He did have three interceptions on the season, to go with 40 tackles. Still room to improve, though, for Waynes, and I feel like it's only going to help him once he's given the job full-time, once Newman finally hangs up the cleats. I think he needs to just get the job, you know? Well, as a first-round pick, he needs to be the guy. I mean, they need somebody very badly opposite Xavier Rhodes. 
and uh, they need somebody that's that's strong and consistent. And uh, we saw that early in the year when when Rhodes was uh, such a strong, a good player that everybody went, uh, you know, they're throwing the ball to the other cornerback, to, to the other wide receiver who Rhodes was not covering. So they need a very strong presence at that position. As a first-round pick, he should be in that spot. Uh, but, again, he's still sort of inconsistent. And, and uh, we all know Mike Zimmer. He is a man that wants consistency uh, on his football team. So he has to play better, uh, and he needs to be that starting cornerback at that, uh, that opposite spot opposite of Xavier Rhodes. It's too important to this football team uh, to waste a first-round draft pick on a, on a backup. Trey Waynes has a cap hit this season of $3.5 million. He'll play out year three, and then the Vikings will make a decision on his fifth-year option. The other thing that could throw a wrench into this, Sage, is that the Vikings have a very interesting conundrum here with Captain Munderland, a free agent, Terrence Newman, a free agent, maybe retiring. They might have two corners leaving which would compel them, I assume, to at some point draft a new corner. Now, you think they maybe they'll sign a veteran to bring in as well, but there could be another young corner coming in to compete. So Waynes may still have to go against, you know, last year, Mackenzie Alexander, and then maybe rookie Dujour. The Vikings will have bodies to compete with Waynes, and they're going to be really young, potentially. If they lose Munderland and Newman, it's going to be like a 26-and-under cornerback room. Well, and that's fine. I mean, we see with the New England Patriots, they seem to go out and find young cornerbacks. And Malcolm Butler was, I believe, an undrafted free agent or a seventh-round draft pick. Uh, You can find man-to-man corners in the draft in the later rounds uh, because a lot of times that's the only thing they can do. They may not be great tacklers and and other things, but they can just straight play good man-to-man coverage. So you can find some guys in the draft. They don't have to be first- or second-rounders. You can find guys – lower in the draft or in free agency that maybe have failed uh, in another team's scheme for whatever reason. Maybe it's more of a zone-type defense. We transition now to Sage Stories, our Wednesday staple. Here's your prompt today, Sage. I think it's a good one. Describe your ordinary off-season workout routine. What was it like? Did you work out with teammates? Did you go down south? Was it tough to stay in shape? Was it tough not to show up to camp 25 pounds overweight? How did that look for Sage Rosenfels? Well, for me, I was pretty lucky in the offseason. If anything, I lost weight uh, because I didn't work out as much right away. I usually had a rule once the Super Bowl finished up, I started to work out again. I sort of took a break off. You know, I sort of took January off for the most part. And I always felt like the Super Bowl game sort of motivated me uh, for the next season. So, um, yeah, my, my usually started the, the, the day after the Super Bowl. That's when I started training for, for the next offseason. And I was pretty lucky. lucky. My weight does not fluctuate. Uh, very much. I still weigh basically the same as what I weighed when I played. Um, so I don't have as much muscle as I had before, but at least my weight's the same. Did you work out five days a week, three days a week, seven days a week? How frequently and how long at one time were your workouts? They were usually between four and five days a week. I'd say mostly four days a week. Uh, a lot of times in the NFL, you either work out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, or you work out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and give yourself a three-day weekend. So I was more of a four-day guy. That was usually what was required by, by all my NFL teams is four days a week to work out, uh, and that's what I usually did. Sometimes I'd go in for an extra workout uh, on that Wednesday or on that Friday. That would normally, normally would have been off uh, and get a little extra work, a little extra running or something like that. But you usually have a sort of a, uh, let's just say it's a Monday through Thursday routine, you know, upper body uh, and a lot of running on Monday. Tuesday would be a lot of legs. 
Wednesday, upper body and running again, and Thursday, a lot of legs again. So you start doing every other routine uh, to work uh, you know, uh, both your upper and lower bodies. I got to think that from the time you came in and the time you went out in 2012, the off-season practice rules look very different for the NFL because now it's extremely stringent. You've got X number of practices. You can't wear pads. And the Seahawks had to give up a draft pick because they violated that last year. What was it like when you entered? Did you have more off-season workouts than they have today? I believe so. We definitely started earlier. Uh, I think we started like March 15th was the time. They've moved that thing back just about a month uh, now and really shortened the off-season program. So things are definitely uh, longer than they were before, and there are they're definitely more required workouts uh, than, there, than, there are, than there are now. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash We'll conclude today's show with a 2017 look ahead. Now, the full schedule isn't known. They don't have the order set yet. That'll probably be in about April, but the opponents are revealed for 2017. So just a quick look through it. And and to be honest, it is not that imposing of a schedule on paper, though that is rarely ever consistent because teams are just so different year in and year out. Here are the opponents you have at home. At home, obviously, the NFC North opponents that you play once at home, once on the road. Then you've got New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles. And the best team in the bunch there is Tampa Bay at 9-7. and It is not an imposing home schedule whatsoever. Now, on the road, I would say it gets much, much tougher. Bears, Lions, Packers, then the NFC champion Falcons in their new stadium – Panthers, they may bounce back. Cleveland Browns in London. Steelers, Redskins. Pretty tough road schedule next year, if you ask me. Yes, uh, that is correct. I am really interested to see what happens to less the Broncos, but more of the Carolina Panthers this year. Uh, two years and then removed from uh, from being in the Super Bowl and all that. And obviously they had a really poor year last year. So uh, I'm seeing how they come back. But you know, that's the whole thing about the NFL is you just don't know, you know how things are going to be when you play them. They, they say it's not necessarily who you play, it's when you play them. So you know, there might be somebody on that schedule right now that looks uh, incredibly tough to beat. Let's just say the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but you get into week 10 next year when they're supposed to play them, let's just say, and Matt Ryan's out that week with a concussion or that, he's out that, that month uh, with some sort of shoulder injury. Um, that's a big difference. Uh, or maybe Julio Jones is out. Uh, so I said, it's not necessarily who you play, uh, but when you play them. And and uh, so we'll see what happens and how things unfold next season. Based on this year's records, the Vikings opponents have a 453 winning percentage next year. So that's well below 500. And I would imagine it ranks in one of the easier schedules on paper in the league. But again, I can't emphasize enough how, how different it will be when they play them at the time. You know, the Bears could be better. The Browns could be better. Panthers obviously could be better. And, and who knows? The Bucks could be worse and the Saints could be worse. It, it's just really tough to predict. Quick show today. We'll call it a wrap there and talk to Sage once again on Friday. And Sage, I think we're getting to that time. Time to start previewing the free agent crop. We're about a month away from the official opening of free agency. 
and there's a lot of targets to look out there for the Vikings. So we'll start that up on Friday. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. His name's Sage Rosenfels, the former NFL quarterback, also writes for thescore.com. I'm Sam Ekstrom, Vikings journalist, coldomaha.com and the Cumulus Media Network. On Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, at Sage Rosenfels 18. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.